when there's just when there's a full time analyst in there, they do see the impact right away of what they're doing. Um, you know, I just pulled all this data and I'm now I'm running the results and and you know this test. Let's say this test was a winner and we just drove you know an increase of five hundred thousand dollars of revenue. You know, you know. And, and oh, I made this page better. I changed this page, and now look, they they pushed the change to production. Welcome to Thirty Three Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics, from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. All right, and we're back in the studio again with Jason and Jason and Jim, so... The, the the three JAs uh, to continue our um, what's wrong? No, I had like some weird lighting thing going on. Oh, okay. I was like about to say, like, is the uh, is the static back? Um, oh, I see that. Yeah, see I that? see that now. Yeah, it's yeah. like when you go backwards. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Go ahead, Jim. <laughs> um, so we're we're back for another optimization and A/B testing focused episode uh, with Jason Bowles. So, Jason, thanks for uh, deciding to to brave another episode with us. Yeah, I'm just glad you keep inviting me back. That, you know, hopefully that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the first two episodes have gone gone really well, um, and uh, you know the, the first two being well, the first one being whoa. I'm losing my balance here. I'm gonna have to do some editing and clean this all up. No, no, this is the this is real. This is it, man. You know, this is this is how we started out the podcast. Is we were so sick of the scripted, polished. Like, let's just do a podcast where it's real. Yeah. So. And I'm fighting a headache this morning, so it's, it's just the a, smoke, it's, man. Yeah, I'm just fighting a headache that won't that won't quit. I, I opted out of I, I opted out of a run this morning outside um, for that reason, and and you know I, I don't like to take days off, but like I was like oh, I I might want to listen to this this yeah. uh, this weather warning because I mean you know in Pittsburgh I don't I don't think it's as bad as you're seeing in Philadelphia or New York, um, which is it's really bad there, but here it's you know it's you can tell a little bit you can yeah. definitely tell. I mean, it smells like a campfire outside. Like you definitely go like last night, it was really heavy and I've taken my workout equipment out to the patio. So I've been working out on the patio uh, with the nice weather. And even today I went out and I'm like, yep, nope, not today. And turned right back around um, because you could just tell like, yeah, I'm good. I'm like, yo, I'm going to take this one a bit seriously and didn't, and didn't do it. Uh, but still like we got the air conditioner running and yeah, I just woke up with a headache and it just won't, won't go away. Sorry, I'm just I'm I'm still I'm still chuckling at at the, the shining lights. Yeah, at Jason's place. It, it's it's super distracting. It's almost like it's possessed. There's some you got oh. some possession. Like yeah, it's evil spirits over there or something. I think I need to upgrade my uh, webcam or something. It's I don't know. All right, sorry, Jim. Man, we're 
we're, we're, we're already off we're the rails on, today. We're only we three minutes know, in. We don't even know where this is going to go now. <laughs> so, so like where I was starting to, to intro before I almost fell over. Uh, um, the, the first episode in this series, we were talking about like what to do when standing up an optimization program. Last week, we talked about what not to do as part of you know, whether it's standing up a program or even just continuing to maintain an existing program, what, what you shouldn't do. Today, I want to get a bit hyper-focused um, and bring in analytics to, to, to part of the conversation. Um, one of the things we've noticed with many organizations is that they separate out their analytics and optimization programs. So they're in either two different, you know, two completely different organizations, two completely different and unrelated teams, but they're, they're split out. So what I want to talk about today is why shouldn't you do that? Why should you make sure that both of these programs are, are integrated? Yeah, that, that sounds good, Jim. And, and, and I agree with you. Um, I will say, hopefully we can touch upon tools as well later on. Um, you know, I'm a big process person as we talked about last time, but, but, you know, we think about the people and the organizations are separated, but also we, we have tools, right? We have a tool for analytics and we have a tool for testing. Um, so I want to talk about, you know, a little bit later on, like, let's talk about why that's important too, to have those two integrated. Um, and, and, and it might go hand in hand at times, but um, for sure, you know, having your analytics team either directly involved with your optimization team or, you know, it's some sort of matrix reporting or you know, just so there's no silos, it's critical. It's, it's really critical from a bunch of standpoints. So uh, this is a great topic to, to get into for sure. So where do you want to do you start that? Do you want to start it uh, from a, from a tools perspective or do you want to start it from a organizational structure perspective? Let's yeah, let's start from an organizational structure perspective, because I, I think that's, you know, we want to we want to make sure that's right up front. Um, and so, you know, if, if from from my experience and I've worked with with, you know, both on the client side, but also with clients who have had some really nice setups with their analytics groups and then some some organizations where analytics really wasn't involved until the very back end of the of the process. Um, and so an example there is, you know, I, I'm running an optimization team and I do everything, you know, from the process, test ideation, you know, QA, we get it launched on the site, live, boom, and then we end it. And then, you know, I go off and ask an analytics group to help me with the results and they know nothing about the test, right? Uh, or, or maybe they know that there, there's a test on the site, but they don't know very much about it. Um, so a lot of a lot of things can happen there um, that aren't good. So an example would be um, we launch a test, we put a lot of work into getting it live on the site. We think we're going to see some good results, and then we get to the back end, the test is done, and and now we find out oh we can't even measure what we want to measure. <laughs> that's like. That's worst case, and, and that's ha that's happened before. Um, you know, maybe maybe it's like, hey, we we didn't we didn't really want to look at all the visitors that came into the A/B test. We wanted to look at a certain subset, and we're like, oh, we can't, you know, we can't do that. We we don't have the ability to do that. And then you'll hear, oh, I would, you know, I wish I would have known this before the test launch. We could have, you know, we could have set something up. So, 
that that's that's kind of a, a, a worst case example where you because there's so much time and resources are put in getting these tests live on the site you know time from developers from design from content and then you get there and you're like oh we, we can't get the data we, we you know we can't get the data we want and um or or the data is going to come but it's in the, it's in the you know it's not it's not giving us everything we want so from the standpoint of tying the the two together analytics and optimization it's super important um and that that's kind of like the back end that's a worst case scenario back end results why why do organizations end up with this type of a, a structure is it is it deliberate and that they're doing it by design and that they think that it's best for these programs to exist in in different parts of the business or is it happening more organically where we don't even know where they're supposed to sit and for whatever reason one ends up in one part of the business and one ends up in the other. Yeah, I, I certainly think it's the latter. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's more of a case of you don't know what you don't know. Right. So, so whether it's the optimization team or the analytics team, they, they don't, they, they may not be aware of like the power that bringing these two groups together actually has. And not only that, but the, but the potential impact, um, that it could have. Uh, so I gave up, I, I, I talked about real quickly, like the results part of it, but there's also this whole thing called test ideation and you need a strong test ideation piece of the process to, to have a best in class optimization program. You know, you need these test ideas coming in, um, at a, you know, at a, you need high quality test ideas coming in at a consistent rate. And, so they may not even be aware of, you know, what's the downside to separating analytics and optimization from our test ideation standpoint too. So there's, there's kind of dangers on, on both sides of the process here. So let's, yeah, I think that's a, a really good point. So let's, let's talk about that a little bit because I think it's um, a, a very real challenge that organizations face and don't have the guidance on how to address it because let, let's, let's kind of, um, drill into that point you made of we don't know what we don't know until we get into it and then it's too late right like we've made the decision we've hired people we've we've created this structure and we're like oh it would have been so much better had we put these together but now we have all this political overhead and how do we now change you know and so we don't and even though we mm -hmm. know it's not the right approach we stick with it because you know we don't want to have to rock the boat what advice do you have for organizations on how to deal with that? Yeah, I mean, you know, the the first the first piece of advice I would have is is, um, and this is going to sound not trite, but like like figure out a way to get it done. <laughs> you know, like have a sit down. You know, have a sit down with with your you know, if you're the director of the optimization team, um, have a sit down with with your analytics partner. Um, I mean, you you know, everybody's busy, right, and everyone has time constraints and, um, you know, but, but have a sit down and there's a lot of value that an analytics team can bring to the table. So from, from a positioning standpoint of, Hey, you know, let's, let's chat about this and figure out, does it make sense for our teams to work a little closer together together? Um, I think if you do it the right way and, and, and position it the right way, the you know your peer in analytics will be like oh like wow i didn't know we could add value over here to the organization you know we're, we're over here we're over here burning and turning reports out you know we're, we're we can barely keep our heads you know 
above water. Um, but then they're like, oh, wow, like, like, I don't, I don't even know if these, you know, these, these daily reports are turning out or adding, adding value, but now I see what we can do over here. And it's like, it's almost like, that's like the, we didn't know, we didn't know, like, you know, maybe they think, maybe the analytics team is think they're going to, they're going to do the exact same thing they're doing now, which is just churn reports out of the back of, of AB tests, but it's much more than that. Yeah. Let's take a slightly different scenario, but, but similar tone in the conversation. Um, uh, a common trend that I've seen is that optimization um, marketing marketing tends to be a, a very lucrative entry point for SaaS vendors to attack, um, and there's no difference uh, with with optimization. SaaS optimization platforms have really perfected their pitch to marketing organizations. You know, they go mm-hmm. in there with their WYSIWYG. They say, have you ever wanted to change this button color from orange to blue? Have you ever wanted to change a headline and your team just tells, we don't have the time to do it? Well, now you can do it. And yeah. so they buy this tool, they do their, you know, cosmetic testing, and then they quickly hit the ceiling and realize this isn't something we can manage. Let's throw it over the fence to the analytics team and say, we need your help ma- maintaining and running this for us. But now the analytics team is like, we don't have the bandwidth. We don't have the budget. We don't have the expertise. What advice do you have in that scenario? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think it was the last week or the week before we talked a lot about process. Um, and I'm, I mean, really what it comes down to is, um, and, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm writing a piece right now, a content, you know, article around like, what does optimize, what does the term optimization even mean? Like, what, what, you know, we, you hear about, oh, I run an optimization team or let's optimize the site, but, but, but what does that really mean? Right. Um, so I was breaking down the definition. I just came across something really interesting, which is like, you, you know, you're trying to, maybe you're trying to make something perfect, but you're trying to make it more functional. You're trying to make it more usable. You're trying to make it better. Um, and, and you can't do that without knowing what's wrong. Right. So like I, I I'm, I'm in charge of, oh, I, like I'm going to go optimize my product detail page. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to make it a little bit better. I'm going to make it more user-friendly. I'm going to drive conversions, but in order to optimize something, like, I need to know like, like what's it what's what's the purpose of it like what's the purpose of my product detail page um but not only that like like what's the data behind it like what types of people are coming to the page what are they doing um what are some trends i'm seeing can i break down those audiences even further um from a personalization standpoint so like just from a big picture optimization process like there's just so much that can be done there um yeah. And, you know, that, that's just one example, like taking a page on the site, but yeah. So, so let's talk about, I guess, some of the, the lost opportunities or, may, or maybe uh, risks of having these separated. Because one of the things that I've found as I've talked to organizations where these sit in different departments is we'll, we'll go talk to the team that owns optimization that sits outside of analytics. Um, and they'll say, well, we don't understand why this is a problem. We have analytics in our optimization platform. Why do we need more or different analytics? That won't that just add to the confusion of what we're trying to accomplish? Yeah, that's a. I mean, it's a great question because in these in these testing tools, yeah, you got the WYSIWYG. You have a report, some sort of reporting UI. Um, but but in most cases, you know, and this isn't necessarily a slam on the vendors, but in most cases, those UIs. They're limited in functionality. 
uh, they're limited in what types of metrics and dimensions and segments and audiences you can bring in, but they're definitely limited in how creative you can get in uh, building a solution of results. And where this is like super important is, again, I'm going to go back to like, we spend so much time, effort and energy in, in getting tests and optimization programs up and running and, and keeping the momentum going. Um, but most tests don't produce a significant winner. So, you know, I think it's 20, 25% industry average is, is a test winner actually, you know, happen on this, on this, you know, in an optimization program. So what do we do with the other 75% of those tests? Right. And if, if analytics and optimization isn't integrated, I would say in the majority of cases, those 75% of tests are throwaways, meaning, you know, hey, we took a quick look at the results and uh, the, the test variant for the, for the product detail page, it did not reach significance, you know, from a conversion standpoint, conversion rate standpoint. So we're just, that's it. That's all we got. Um, but there's so much more w w in that other part of these tests that aren't winners, the 75%. Um, and the only way to get in there is, is to really look at the data, look at the analytics, look at, um, look at the audiences, look at the behavior. Um, and the loss opportunity cost is we could iterate on tests that we don't know that we could even iterate on. Like, don't throw the test out. Maybe there's a certain subset in that group that that actually showed some promising behavior and we want to tweak it for them right um, but the only way we're going to do that is really get into the analytics really deep on some of these tests let's um so let's kind of maybe start moving towards that part of the discussion um because i think one of the the very real impacts um that i've seen that that often goes untalked about when we're talking about this scenario is the impact on the analytics data. You know, we're, we're, we're looking at it from an optimization lens, but what about the analytics lens? So I'll, I'll give you an example, and this has happened at multiple companies that I have worked with. Um, we've been doing an analysis. There's been a drastic change in the data. We're like, banging our head against the wall. It's like, we don't understand what's happening here in hours and hours of trying to slice and dice the data. And then there's a hallway conversation where like, oh, the optimization team's been running some really aggressive tests that have fundamentally changed the behavior of users on the site. It's not reflected in the data. So that's from a tool perspective. From an organizational perspective, there's no communication between the teams. So there's no alerting the analytics team that, hey, we're running these type of tests. It may impact your data. How do we, if we, if if these are separate organizations, how do we solve for that? And, and again, I think yeah. it's probably a tool. It's a tool component, and it's an organizational component. That's a that's a really valid point, and you know, you, this might even be broader than just analytics, right? So, uh, my optimization program is running somewhat of in a silo, and. Uh, you know, all of a sudden I, I get a, I get an email from a vice president coming says, Oh, like what, you know, what happened to the homepage? And that's and happened, like, oh, right? You yeah, seen yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Like what happened to the homepage? Where, where'd my promotion go? You know, this thing was, and, and, you know, you find out, Oh yeah. Again, like, Oh, we're running an optimization test. And, and that's like, you got to nip that in the bud quickly because um, that's where you get into situations like, all right, you know, turn the testing tool off. You know, we, we, we can't have this, you know, we can't have this happening. That, that's a really, 
like extreme example, but it does happen to your point, Jason. Like, yeah, you know, it, 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 it happens. And I, you know, I've been guilty of that. So client side, I had optimization and analytics integrated, but I failed to, from an organizational perspective, be really transparent in communicating what was happening. I remember running one test on our uh, subscription funnel and the security team freaked out thinking our site had been hacked and there was like all this effort going on. And I'm like, um, that, you know, now we were running the test, <laughs> but how much money do we lose? How much like, and it could have been solved. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to cut you off, but yeah. it, it happens. No, you I, know? Hey, I, hey, it happened to me too, probably more than once, you know, I mean, I might be blocking a couple of the instances out, but it's definitely happened to me as well. And you know, you learn from those, you learn from those mistakes, right? And you, and you try to make the program better. Um, but from a communication standpoint, like I, you know, a best in class uh, optimization program has those pieces of the process in place from a communication standpoint, they're meeting on a monthly basis with, with the senior executives and the, you know, they're, you know, we're meeting with the vice president. We got product merchandise in the meeting. We got, um, the e-commerce, we've got the analytics, you know, we, we, we've got the fi you know, finance, we've got all these people. And, you know, at a high level, we're just saying, hey, these are the tests we're running on the site right now, just so you know. Um, better yet, these are the tests we'll be running in the next couple of weeks upcoming, just so you know. And, you know, that's when you want those conversations like, oh, crap, we can't run the tests on the homepage during this time because we have a, you know, um, a BOGO sale on, on this product. So we can't do that. So again, I think it's about process and getting those conversations done up front. Um, yeah, for sure. It's happening. You know, ha yeah. Still see it happening for sure. Yeah. So I want to continue to, to kind of drill into that and maybe whether it's process or tools or, or both kind of talk through. And again, I'm going to, I want to look at it from an analytics lens um, mm -hmm. because over the last 20 years of advising companies that are running optimization and, and analytics programs, I would say less than 5% of the companies I've worked with had a process in place for uh, either accounting for or at least putting some sort of asterisk on reporting and analysis that specific optimization efforts may be impacting these numbers. And I, and I appreciate the challenge, right? Because we're always testing, we're always running campaigns and as, as, businesses prioritize uh velocity or you know number of tests then it makes it even harder and so mm -hmm. oftentimes either organizations a are unaware of it and don't account for it or b say it's too, just too complicated we'll just put it push out our reports push out our analysis and just ignore that we're running optimization is there a healthy somewhere in the middle we can we can meet because in my mind it's like wait a minute optimization is could have the drastic impact on the numbers we're reporting. It doesn't feel healthy to me to just say, "eh." We'll just ignore that that's happening. Yeah, I, yeah. There, there is a there is a happy place to meet. Um, and you know what? What? And let's let's dive into the tools real quick because when when the tools are integrated, whether it's you know GA four and a testing tool or Adobe Analytics uh, and Target using you know what's called A for T Analytics for Target, get those integrated. Um, it's really easy, simple to pull in. These are the tests I'm running on the site now into my analytics platform. These are the tests I'm running on the site now. Here's how visits are impacted. Here's how conversion rates are being impacted by this test. Here's how product views are being impacted. Here's how subscriptions are. Being... So that's where, when you have that tool integration in place. Yeah, it's really simple to 
to sit down with your analytics team and say, okay, you know, here are the tests we have in place. How do you want to, you know, do you want to account for this in your weekly report? Do you, you know, how do you want to do it? Um, but it's real simple to get the data when the tools are hooked up. Um, but again, to get the tools hooked up, you need the, you know, you need the people connected too. So, and maybe you just answered my next question, um, but is there, in, in your experience, have you seen more challenges integrating those two when the programs are separated? Um, or is it more of a technology issue than a people issue? Um, if you, I'll kind of caveat a little bit. If you have the right person on your optimization team that has like some pretty fantastic analytics chops, um, I think you can pull it off, right? Um, but <clears throat> that's just on the testing part of it. That's just to get what you need out of testing. There's still that piece of, you know, how do, to your point, Jason, like how do you communicate what tests are live? Because some companies are running 10, 20, 30 tests at a time. I mean, you hear these crazy numbers at Google and Amazon. You're like, I don't even want to know, you know. They're, they're running thousands of tests, right? But um, even one or two tests can have an impact on the numbers. Um, so it, it is a tool thing, um, but you still need the people talking um, on a continual basis because stuff just happens. We get busy, you know, and, oh, I forgot, I forgot to tell you about this test. And, you know, it's really easy to set up a workspace and an analytics tool to say, here are all the actively running tests and then share it with someone in analytics and give them access to that tool. And be like, okay, just so you know, I've, I've set up this workspace and these are, I'm just going to keep it updated. And these are going to be all the tests we have running on the site. If you ever need to go in there, you know, you can see what tests are running on what pages and all that. So yeah, it's, it's still both for sure. People and tool. Um, what from a, from a tooling perspective, um, what what risks or maybe even operate we've we focused a lot of ri on risk but maybe maybe talk more about what you've seen that companies that have these tightly integrated and working together what they're able to do that that companies that don't aren't yeah good question and I, i'm actually working on something right now and i spent some uh, you know an hour or two this morning on it as well and uh, there's a there's a company I'm working with. They have a an A/B test lag on the site right now. Again, I, I always keep in mind, and, and I say this a lot, but a lot of time and effort was put into getting this test running on the site. So I keep that in mind because you know we really want to make sure that we're we're getting the the biggest benefit out of the test, and and that doesn't mean it's a test winner. It might not be. But what I'm doing now is, and it stemmed from a great uh, business question, you know, the business side from the product owner is, all right, we, we got this test on our, on our page and I don't want to know how all visits to the page are performing. In other words, you know, I, you know, Jason, you hit the page, Jim, you're into the test. I'm in the test. I don't care about like all of those visits. I want to know a specific subset of people and how they performed in the site. Um, now, some of that can be done in targeting up front in the test, but only to a certain extent. So when these, when analytics is tightly integrated with, with optimization, with your testing tool, I can go in there and I can really do some cool things in analytics as far as creating these audiences to really drill down and say like, no, I don't want every visitor. I want every visitor who is registered and then I want every every visitor every visitor who has not done this yet, 
And I want to know the impact of the test on those on that specific subset. And it's getting really cool right now. Like I'm, I'm you know, I'm having fun with the data and we're going back and forth. You know, the client and I are going back and forth a lot. We're, we're learning a lot about this certain subset. And with without the analytics integration with tool, it couldn't be done because this all stemmed from you know the client saying, "Hey, like I'm I'm in the I'm in the testing tool, and this is the issue I'm having." Yeah. So that's when I'm like, "Oh yeah, we got to look broader. We got to look at the at the analytics integration here." In those companies that you've worked with that have had really well integrated programs, is there any commonality as far as which department they sit in, or is have you seen it kind of randomly distributed across multiple departments? I'd say it's pretty random. Um, you know, you see, obviously you see a lot to your point earlier about about the you know the sales. You know, there's a lot in the marketing, right? Um, uh, but there's also, I see a lot in analytics too, um, on the an- analytics team, like we're going to another client where optimization is completely rolled up into the an- analytics team itself. And, um, the, and the benefit from there is, is just huge because on these weekly phone calls, you know, we're, it's analytics and optimization together. So everyone's like on the same page all the time. Um, and, and you'll, you know, you'll be talking about a test, you know, Hey, we're thinking about this test and we have this test brief. And the optimization person on the analytics team put it together, but then the analyst is on the call too. Be, hey, did you think of this? Right? Um, you know, what about exit rates? Did we look at that? Uh, so yeah, so have, yeah, that's that's super important. In in teams that have analytics and optimization um, combined. Um, within that team is there any kind of separation or is it we're all kind of wearing multiple hats so let, let's let's take the optimization uh component um if i'm an analyst if i'm an architect am i dedicated to the optimization program even though we all roll up to analytics or am i spread out and doing multiple things and optimization is just one part of my role yeah so i mean i've definitely seen both um when i was working at a, a large retailer a bunch of years ago we had a dedicated analyst to the optimization team. We also had a de- dedicated developer. We also had a de- dedicated content person design. So it was like, I mean, this team was cooking. This, you know, it was, it was one, like. yeah, high functioning, you know, but you're not always going to have that. You're not going to have the dedication uh, and the advocacy from above um, that needs to drive a best in class program like that. So you, you may have an analyst on the team um, that's also doing analysis for other projects, right? And, and, that, and that's okay. I think as long as the integration's there, um, you may have an analyst doing the optimization tool too. They, they may be doing both. So you may get just a highly talented person who can run the optimization as well as like dig into the analytics tool. Um, so definitely see, you know, both. Okay. Um, we, we talked a lot about the importance of having these programs together from a, results analysis perspective, but what about the the other side, the, the kind of top of the funnel yeah. from a ideation roadmap uh, catalog, testing catalog perspective, have you noticed a difference between the type and quality of test ideation from, from teams that are combined versus teams that are separate? Yeah, I'd say a huge difference in quality, but also in quantity. Um, so you're you're getting you're getting more test ideas that are higher quality, it's, and especially if you have a, a, a someone you know, is in the analytics tour on the analytics team that really understands the site and really understands what the business is trying to do and really can quickly look at the data and see like oh here you know here's an issue right here I just looked at checkout step three 
And wow, like look, 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 look at the data is telling, telling us right here. Um, and, and they could probably think of three or four test ideas just to try to drive that one metric up. So you're getting, you're getting more test ideas, but you're getting higher quality test ideas because they're based upon data, right? Not, you know, not, you hear the term hippo, right? Hip, highest individual, highest paid or highest paid person in the organization or something like that. And, you know, their opinion matters the most because of the highest paid part, right? But a lot of those test ideas are based upon opinion and, and not on the data, right? And so if we really want to drive the date, the data, you know, we like this page, you know, our, our category page for, let's say t-shirts has a really high conversion rate but also like a really high exit rate. And so, you know, we got a high converting page, which a lot of people are leaving. So how do we keep some of those people staying on the page? And the only way you can get that data is, is through analytics, like, yeah, through, through that integration. Um, one, one scenario that I saw was a deliberate design to keep optimization and analytics separated. And I, I think the, um, justification they use for it is that the, these two programs need a bit of a check and a balance in, in place. Um, and while the optimization team very much included the analytics team, they were, they were seen more of a support role to optimization where it's like, we don't want you involved from an insights or a strategy perspective. We just need you to give us the data, you know, make sure. And then, and then we'll deal with it. And, and again, the whole justification was we need checks and balances here. I'm, I'm interested if you've heard that as a justification for having it separate. And is there any real, is there any real value to, to having it um, set up like that? I can't off the top of my head see the value in setting it up like that. Um, you know, if, if, if the strategy and the insights team on the front end, if, if they're already data driven, then I think it might be okay. Like if, if they're already individuals who really understand the data well, and, and maybe, maybe, maybe they have access to analytics tool and they're used to doing it themselves. Um, that, that could be an example where it might be okay. And they, and, and they just go to the analytics team. Hey, I need some, you know, I, I need some, a little additional pool here, or we need to do a data warehouse pool or something like that. Um, but off the top of my head, it, it wouldn't make much sense because you're, because you're just, you're potentially losing a lot of value on the front end. Yeah. And, and it's just one data point, but I, I do remember, um, one company where the, the optimization team was very, very, you know, involved in, in the data so much so that they actually looked down on the analytics team, uh, where they're, I, I sat in on, on several discussions where they're trying to be kind of this check and balance and, and real look into the data and the optimization team several times kind of said, all right, kids sit down, you know, you don't know about Bayesian theory and advanced <laughs> statistics. And it's like, okay, this doesn't feel healthy. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we the last couple of times we've talked about, you know, starting an optimization program, you may learn really quickly that, uh, hey, we've been running this optimization program for six months, 12 months. We, you know, we have an ideation problem where, where you don't have a lot of ideas coming through. So you may learn organically that, oh, we need the analytics in here. We, we need that integration, not only from a tool perspective, but also from a people and process perspective. So, you know, from a from an organization that's just starting up in analytics, I mean, in optimization, they may learn that they they need analytics. They may not feel that way in the beginning, 
and be like, oh, no, we can, we can get this done in this way and we'll reach out to you if, if needed. But I think what they'll learn pretty quickly is, you know, they're, they're losing a lot of value there. Yeah, and, and, and let's talk about the flip side of that scenario because I've definitely seen it as, as well um, where the optimization team sits outside of analytics and they use the statistics in the optimization program uh, to support a hypothesis that they like. And when the results don't end up what like they like, then the stats aren't really that important. You know, we don't need to have that statistical rigor. So uh, again, like that to me feels like a risk. How do we strike a, a balance of having some statistical rigor to what we do, but also, you know, making sure that we're, we're not being so geeky in the data that we're losing sight of the bigger strategy that we're trying to accomplish. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, there have, there's been an, uh, an instance in the past where the testing tool was not necessarily providing accurate data from a stat standpoint. So, you know, the, the benefit of having your analytics team is there is, is like I could quickly do an offline calculation using Excel um, to validate whether what I'm seeing in my testing tool is accurate or not. Um, so, if, you know, when that's the case, if, I, if I'm just looking at, significance in my test and i'm not really thinking through like is this the right audience for this you know significance that, I, that i'm looking at like you can really yeah you can get into some into some scary water there for sure yeah i don't know if i want to touch that one but um <laughs> pro props to optimization platforms that provide some transparency into the calculations that they do because yeah, yeah i mean we're, yeah. we are getting into some fairly complex math um, and there are platforms that are, and, and I understand it, you know, look, we have to, we have to strike a balance because especially if we're trying to sell into, you know, a marketing organization or a UX team, um, it's, it's not a dumb it down approach, but if I'm going to give you all this like statistical measure, I can see it being completely overwhelming. You know, if I'm a marketer and you're like throwing confidence intervals and statistical power at me, it's like, Whoa, like, I just want to change this button color, you know? So there's, yeah. there has to be a balance there, but also there has to be some transparency and truth because, you know, we're okay. We're not, we're not making, uh, drugs to treat viruses or something like sure. that, but you know, for, for a lot of these businesses we work with, we're changing things that could very easily and very quickly make millions of dollars of impact, which is, you know, not, yeah. Not, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, we're, you know, we're, you know, one of the things I, I love about working with 33 sticks is like, we, you know, we, we are interested in helping our clients do better and succeed. And, and like, I, you know, you see these the, the WYSIWYGs, the, you know the, the the user interface for like a testing tool, and oh, I'll quickly look at all ten tests we're running. I'm just gonna look for the test that has you know a blue ribbon that says, "Hey, this test is a winner," right? And just pick it, you know, and then just disregard everything else. So um, from from the standpoint of that, like you know, there 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 has to be some rigor behind it. There has to be some understanding of of what does it mean to have that blue ribbon on a test, you know, name, you know, what does it mean that the test is a winner? Like, again, what audience are we looking at? What's, you know, what's the confidence rate? You know, what, what's the confidence interval? We got to look at all that stuff yeah. um, because we do have the ability through optimization to help people have a, a very big impact on their company and on, on the business goals and on the outcomes. And, you know, sometimes that's really what it's all about is just, 
you know, helping people have a bigger impact. Yeah. Um, but you get, but you know, that, that impact has to be, in my opinion, it, it has, it has to be sound. <laughs> yes. There has to be some, some rigor behind the numbers. And I just, I think when you're integrated with the analytics program and people, I think you'll have a better chance of, of making sure that that's like done, you know, that, that that's in place. So let me introduce the scenario so I can play the Jim, Dris Jim Driscoll role of devil's advocate here um, <laughs> and argue for maybe, maybe reasons why they should be separated. And it's an, it's a and very, you just took my questions. You literally did. I have them written down. So go ahead. Wait, you know, I haven't even asked it yet. <laughs> I know exactly where you're going. Are you sure? Okay. Um, and, and maybe this is a niche case, but I've definitely seen it where optimization programs are graded and rewarded on the success of their tests. Um, and so is there is there some some truth to having these programs separated where you have a independent measurer that can hold the team accountable that's not being graded on the by the way, I hate that as a success metric for optimization programs. I, I think that's very unhealthy, but it exists. So you know, is there a case where having an independent auditor is actually a good thing in those scenarios? Yeah, I, you know, I think there is and, and one of them is, is just estimating the impact of, of the tests, right? So, um, yeah, I'm with you on that. Like chasing velocity is not always the best uh, approach, but I, let's say I had five test winners in a year. I think I think if you work with your analytics team to say, hey, let's let's estimate the annual impact here. That's like that's a great checks and balances there because because then you have you have an individual or, or a group that's not necessarily involved in the start to finish process of the test, but they can take these test results and say, all right, based upon these five tests, we estimate an annual impact of $10.5 million for the year based upon these test winners. Um, that's that, that might be a great situation where you have a little bit of checks and balances there. Um, because <laughs> I could see, I could see it being easy to say, Oh, you know, we had, just roughing the number. Oh, we had twenty million dollars of revenue impact last year. You know, did right. you really? Yeah. Like, oh, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember those numbers. So yeah. yeah. So that that's a great example of, of having them. Also, it's interesting that your high performance benchmark set by your manager was twenty million dollars of impact. It's interesting how you get that right <laughs> on the nose. All right, all right, Jim, yeah. go ahead with your questions. Yeah, I mean, mine were, wasn't a specific scenario, but yeah, I wanted to kind of get into playing devil's advocate a bit because, you know, in, in the course of this conversation, we, we've talked about the benefits and the positive outcomes that happen when you have these two teams integrated and the risks of not having them integrated. Um, so like the, the first thing I can think of is, and Jason, you, you did start to answer this, is, is like, what are some of the pitfalls when integrating these two teams, um, you know, we talked about the one here where basically the, the analytics team becomes a rubber stamp for, for the optimization team. C can you think of other risks that or pitfalls an organization can run into and should be aware of when making sure these teams are, are tightly integrated? Yeah. Um, and it goes back to Jason's point earlier about um, not necessarily a dedicated resource but if you're going to have these programs in, integrated um 
it, the, the, the a pitfall would be, all right, we're really rock and roll. We got an optimization program. I'm in, uh, we just did a site redesign and we need our analysts over here for the next two months. Right. Um, so having some sort of agreement up front that, you know, again, you're not always going to get a full-time dedicated analyst on the team, but maybe, Hey, we need 25, 30% of your time consistently. Right. Um, because you need for an optimization program to fully run and cook, you need to continually show results. And I don't mean results like winners and, and driving revenue and conversion. I mean, results like here's what we're learning, right? Here's what the data is telling us from these tests. And if you, and if you lose your analyst, that resource for two months, you know, or a month, even a couple of weeks, that's going to show on your output. And that's going to show with these conversations you're having with your, with your advocates who are at the senior level. And you don't want to, you don't want to kill that momentum. You want, you, you need that, you need that to keep going and going. So off the top of my head, Jen, that's one pitfall I could think of for sure. Yep. And then like, as we talked about, like tightly integrating them, could you take it a step or two too far where these teams are, and I'm going to, if, if it doesn't exist, I'm going to reinvent the word. Can you over integrate them where one starts to suffer or one program cannibalizes the other? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, there's gotta be a use case for it, right? Uh, so are you saying, let, let, so you're saying I, I integrate them fully. I integrate my analytics and optimization program. And then I'm, am I like taking away where one takes away resources from the other? From an, yeah. Yeah. Where yeah. One, they um, begin to take away from each other instead of complementing and enhancing each other. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, I guess that's more, more a resourcing question. So if, if, if I'm understanding what you're saying, Jim, so if I'm taking a resource and I'm bringing in the optimization team, I'm losing that resource from my analytics team, or, you know, we, we make an agreement to split time 50, 50, but then they're, you know, they're spending too much time with optimization and, and not as much time with, with their analytics team. So, so they could suffer from the standpoint of, meeting their metrics on their analytics team. Yeah, I could, I could see that happening. Um, I will say this optimization teams are fun are fun to work with. Like they really are. They, they seem to have a good time. So you may, you may get an analyst that says, yeah, let's stay over here for a little bit longer. Um, that's really the only, the only thing I can think of there. What, 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 what makes optimization teams so fun to work with? I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's just, it's, you always hear this, but, there, you know, people get involved in optimization, whether they're coming from design or, 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 you know, analytics, but they're like, this is, this is cool. Like, I didn't know we could change the site like this and, and see what the impact is. And, you know, I, I think really it's a standpoint that you can have a big impact. You, you have the potential to have a really big impact on the, on the broader organization. And it's fun because you get involved in design content, like, um, you know, the psychology of, of, of purchasing and all, you know, there's all these different subject matters that come into play in optimization. Um, so I think it's super interesting. And I, and I think, you know, a lot of times it's just a lot of times the people involved in them, they, they just seem to be enjoying it a little, a little bit more, you know, they're, Hey, let's, let's make a guess on which test is going to win. You know, let's have some fun. It's just, it sets it, it up for it. It, it makes me wonder <laughs> if we could use that recipe or special sauce that, that is in optimization. And sure, I think you have the 
sorry, I'm going way off track with my last question here. Uh, you, you, you have the benefit of being able to see direct behavior to, to consumer impact and behavior or consumer behavior. Um, but I'm wondering if, if you could take that kind of recipe and apply it to the analytics team, because I think the opposite is also true. Analytics teams often feel so defeated because they don't see the impact that they're having. Um, even though they, they could be. So I'm wondering if there's like combining these teams and finding some way to take that feel good impact that the optimization team has and apply it to the analytics team. Cause a lot of that, them are hurting. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Um, and, and as you were talking, I was thinking through some of the teams I work with or have worked with um, when there's just, when there's a full-time analyst in there, they do see the impact right away of what they're doing. Um, you know, I just pulled all this data and I'm now I'm running the results and, and, you know, this test, let's say this test was a winner and we just drove, you know, an increase of $500,000 of revenue, you know, you know, and, and, oh, I made this page better. I changed this page and now look, they, they pushed the change of production. Oh, you know, they're, they're having a conversation with their kids at home. Like, Hey, look, that's a page. I, you know, I was involved in that test and now we made the site better. It's like little things like that, you know? So. Yeah, great, great point about, you know, some some benefits of integration there. All right, Jim, I made it through my list of questions. Those are tough questions at the end. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel so, like I'm off we, the hot seat now. <laughs> we, 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 wanted to, we wanted to ease you in and then, like, hit you at the very yeah, end with some worked. real. <laughs> it worked. Yeah. No, I think we, we, we hit all of the important things. We, we hit by the questions I had as well. And, again, knowing we were kind of coming in with a bit of a bias on – you know, our perspective is, is you shouldn't separate these two teams, but did want to make sure we covered like that. It's also not going to solve all of your problems by integrating them. Um, so yeah, again, a really fun conversation. And, um, yeah, I like toward the end there, like the, the, the idea of like gamifying stuff and you you definitely see that a bit more with optimization teams than others, like the, the gamification of it. So, but, uh, so thanks for, for joining us again. We have one more episode with you next week and right. to give a quick preview of that. We want to talk about, um, how do you build a proper test hypothesis? So really oh, getting into the weeds that yeah. be fun. because again, like you've touched on it a couple times in these early episodes, these earlier episodes where, you know, Jason, you touched on it today with the entry into marketing and just like the, the sales coming in and saying, oh, here's our WYSIWYG editor. And you want to change that bl- button from red to blue or change uh, the text from this to that. You know, like it, it's easy to jump right into it. But like the more complicated tests, the tests that could really drive value. What, how, how do you really plan for them out? And a key component of that being the hypothesis. Yeah, that, that's a good one, Jim. I, I can bring in some ideas of what not to do there as well. Yeah, perfect, <laughs> perfect. So let's go ahead and wrap up there for, for this week. We'll continue this theme again next week, and we'll talk to everyone later. All right. Enjoy the day. See ya. See ya. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boot.